We're going to continue our teaching on living behind the veil. At the beginning of, the, of this year, the Lord said that we would be studying, entering behind the veil. Well, what's the purpose of that? Well, when Jesus tore the veil, when Jesus tore the veil, he gave you entrance into all the blessing of heaven, into his life, into his love. And so we've been studying that for quite some time, and we're going to continue that today. Life in Jesus is, is what, we're, what the sermon is today. And we're going to start in Hebrews 8, verse 1. And I just want to tell you, do not miss next week. You know, what really honestly, what is the whole point of this? When, when the Lord spoke to me, I'll be, I'm just going to be up front with you. When the Lord spoke to me about this series about living behind the veil, uh, it's because we are meant to walk in so much more than what we're walking in. Okay? And if we truly get a revelation of the life behind the veil that's intended for us, that we actually have in Christ, not something you're grasping for all the time. If we truly get revelation of that, you are going to see the manifestation of so many things in your life that Jesus actually intends for you to have. Miracles, wonders. He's not holding them back, but we need greater revelation. Okay, so that's what this journey is all about. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while to get through all this, but I tell you what, you are going to be blessed and you are going to see new revival, new, new strengths in your life. So Hebrews 8. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in that sanctuary. Okay, we're talking about Jesus. The true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. What did he offer? Yeah, himself. He offered himself. His life was not taken. He offered himself up. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. Okay? In the New Covenant, which we're studying, Jesus is super abundantly more than the law. He's fulfilled it all, and he is super, supernaturally, abundantly more. They serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Okay, the very important point that we're going to take first out of this particular passage of scripture is that we have a high priest sitting at the right hand of the throne in heaven. And beloved, he is ministering heavenly things unto you. Okay? As your inheritance. He is, he is sitting there. He is there living, ministering for you. He is not limited by earthly law. He is not limited by the earthly atmosphere. He is not limited by anything worldly. So we need to set our sights on the, our eyes on the things above. We, we must receive, we must maintain this revelation, revelation of this in our lives. There is absolutely nothing impossible with your God. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if you're going around the same old mountain. It doesn't matter what challenges 
are coming toward you. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. He has super abundantly more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. He is ministering to us from the heavenly realm, from a, an entirely different realm, and he, we receive his fruits when we're in Christ. Okay? So, we need to truly saturate ourselves and make this, receive this as the wisdom of our hearts, as the wisdom of our hearts. And Jesus is not only our priest, what else is he? He's not only our priest, he's our king. He's our king. The new covenant prophesied, was prophesied in the Old Testament, right? The new covenant. So no, God never changes. This is not a change. It, well, it is a change, but it's not a change of God's heart. It's not a change of God's plan. Because all of this was specifically prophesied in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So you see, this is no longer an external law. Who in here can keep an external law perfectly? Not a single one of us. Well, we no longer have the external law from an external God. Okay? The new covenant is a better promise. It's a better covenant. It's a better hope like we talked about last week. And I want to give you a little nugget here, which, you know, I, re I alluded to this a couple weeks ago, but I didn't really explain it, so I'm going to explain it today. This little nugget that the priesthood and the kingship, okay? Priest, king. Two different things. The priesthood and kingship of this world were meant to be united. Don't shout me down, please. <laughs> they've always been united in the heart of God and his heart doesn't change they've always been united and they are united in Christ he's our example right is Christ our example yes is he a priest and a king is it an, a united harmonious uh, ministry yes absolutely I'm going to show you in Zechariah 6, verse 11 through 13. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest, high priest Joshua, son of Josadak. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a priest on his throne. He will be a priest on his throne, and there will be harmony between the two. Are you getting a picture of God's original heart? Are you getting a picture of Jesus? Are you getting a picture of where you are meant to be in Jesus? This is some deep stuff today, guys. You're going to have to hang in here with me. Okay? So... It was the weakness of the old dispensation that the representative of religious life was so entirely distinct from the representative of secular, civil life. The priest, in holiness and in purity, and the king in power, were meant to function together. 
If you get a picture of this, you'll get a picture of your destiny in Jesus. That's why I'm going through this. So the power of holiness and purity, the rulership of holiness and purity would be the rule, okay? And in fact, it truly is the glory of Jesus, it is the glory of Jesus that the two are united as intended, priest and king, one entity, our Jesus, and you are meant to stand in that same place because who is the representative of Jesus here on the earth? Who, who, who can God use? Right, it's you. It's you. And you, we need to be willing, available, and yielded. Okay? So, Jesus, when we receive Jesus, is he the, does he cleanse our sin? Yes, he cleanses our sin. So the cleansing of our sin is our access to God, and it is a power, it is a position uh, that pervades our entire life, is meant to pervade. We're not supposed to walk around with a sin consciousness, guilt consciousness. Does that mean we don't repent? No, it does not mean we don't repent, because when we repent, it cleanses us, right? It cleanses us and, and allows us to go boldly into the throne of God, into the throne of grace, the way he's to be in that relationship, the way he wants us to be in that relationship. So our whole existence when, with the cleansing of sin, and that is supposed to affect every realm of our life, of our beings. We have a, a brand new standing and we need to come to the realization so that every time we make a mistake, we don't cast ourselves back out into the darkness because that's not true. You have a loving father that loves you through all your mistakes. And I'm not teaching license to sin. If you all know me, you've been here long enough, you know that's not what I'm preaching. So, religion was never meant as it had become in the Old Testament to be something just for certain seasons, just for certain segments of, our, of life. It was meant to be an embracing of our entire lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was meant to be this unified wholeness in our lives, the life of holiness, our lives of holiness, submitted unto Jesus, offered up ourselves unto Jesus, a life of holiness in kingly power. That's where you're supposed to be walking. That's your existence. That's your new definition in Christ. Okay? So, life of holiness in kingly power, and that's what we are as Christians. That's who you're meant to be as a Christian. And believe me, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to come to Jesus. If you've never come to Jesus, you just say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sins. I repent of my sins. And I thank you, Lord, for coming into my life and being my Lord and Savior. The second you say that, and you, you, know, you mean it in your heart, you speak it out of your heart, you are an entirely new, recreated being. Amen. He makes it so easy. And you don't have to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. That's the whole point. The whole point is he came to save a broken world. The whole point is he came to heal our distance from him. He came to redeem us. He came to welcome us into loving arms, not condemning arms. Loving arms. So anyway, so... The minute you're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, in your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit living in power and rulership. Okay, that's Jesus. Let me ask you this. Can the Holy Spirit, can Jesus give you anything other than himself? No. So when the Holy Spirit 
comes and takes up residence in your spirit, is it a little baby puny Holy Spirit? No. It's the Holy Spirit in all the power. It's Jesus in all the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not just a, a, like a sub-Holy Spirit walking around. He can only give what he is, and he gives you his all. So, anyway, that's how we're supposed to proceed in life. Walking in Jesus' holiness, his purity, his power, his authority by the Holy Spirit, his love by the Holy Spirit, a combination, a unity of both the holiness and the kingship authority. Nearness to God, okay? We're talking about nearness to God. We're talking about relationship, not just head knowledge, not just religion. We are talking about relationship with a loving Savior. Nineness unto God. That's what the new covenant, that's what the blood of Jesus purchased for us, and we need to understand the reality of that, his heart for us, that we are to walk in that, that that is what belongs to us, relationship, um, where there's no other element between us and God. The veil was what? The veil was separation. Jesus tore the veil he brought you into the kingdom of Jesus. He brought you in with him. He tore the veil so the separation would go away. Okay? So that's truly the combined kingship and priesthood. That's really truly how our society is meant to function. If you really want to think about it. When you walk like this, when you receive the revelation of, of, of this dynamic new character that you have in Jesus, when you receive the revelation of that and you walk in it, you are the harbingers. You are the forerunners. You are the advancing army that brings the kingdom of heaven to earth for a hurting world. You get it? And that is in complete, okay, this is, this is a big gospel, guys. It's a big, big gospel. You've got to, I have got, you need, I need to expand our brains to take the limits off. Because when we walk in this, we are walking, we are meant to walk in the possession of the blessings, in the possession of the reality, in the possession and the power of heaven. Here. That's how you're meant to walk. You are meant to be dispensaries. You are meant to be dispensaries of all that you have been given <coughs> in Christ. Now you just need to understand what we've been given in Christ. Truly, what have we been given in Christ? This is, this basically, you know, there's so much talk about the glory. This is you walking in the glory. You're meant to walk in the glory. What does the scripture say? Jesus said, Father, I have given them the glory that you have given me. That's, that's Jesus talking. That's not me talking. Okay? Those are the red letters. Okay? So, as our, as our faith believes and as our faith feeds on this reality, in other words, as our souls, as our minds become renewed to the reality that Jesus intended us to walk in, we become partakers of the truth of the glory of God. Man, y'all are quiet today. Is it making sense? Okay. And, you know, th so there's a, there's a soul renewal. There's a soul revival that takes place in us. So then, as this becomes greater revelation to us, then his purity, his truth, his wisdom, his authority, his power, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his worship, 
his blessedness become the nature, the characteristic of our Christian faith, of our lives in Christ. Do you see that transference that occurs, the transformation? And then it becomes what? Because we are so indelibly changed on the inside, transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear son, the kingdom of light, because we are transformed, because we live in a whole different kingdom at that point, we then become what? We become the outpouring of his presence. You see that? And guess what? It doesn't depend on, on, on you being perfect because that's what his blood accomplished. Okay? And we're going to get to some more of that. Um, but anyway, so our lives then become an outpouring of him. We are, we are living out the revelation of Jesus in us. We are living out the revelation of that glory that he has given to us. Now, let me ask you this. Who, who could, ev- if you're walking that way, that was a bad statement. I shouldn't say if. I should say when. When you are walking that way, who can resist that? Who could resist that? Nobody can resist the love of the Lord. Nobody. Truly, the love of the Lord, nobody can resist. So, you walking in this way, which he intended, which he wants you to walk, you in, in the revelation of what Christ has really done on the inside of you, you walking in that are an absolute magnet to all of humankind. You are a magnet to all of humankind. So let people, let people motivated by demonic spirits come to you. You be life unto them. You be healing, the healing of Jesus. You be the life of Jesus unto them. Don't, don't turn them away. You're no better than they are. You're just in a different place of understanding. And you've been given that understanding to be a salve. You've been given that understanding to be a help. So don't ignore that calling. Every one of you in Jesus has that calling. So the Holy Spirit now, when when we become born again, the Holy Spirit is your portion. The Holy Spirit is your portion given by Jesus to help you accomplish this. Okay? The Holy Spirit is in every believer speaking. He's speaking to you all the time. We, we can yield or we can ignore. But he's speaking to you all the time. And in walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in his guidance, walking in his counsel, walking in the Holy Spirit, you will truly exalt Jesus, you will, which is our goal. You will truly exalt Jesus, and you will move into the reality of the ascended life that he has already become the guarantor of for you in this earth. Okay? So, Hebrews 8, verse 4. If he were here on earth, Jesus, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer gifts and prescribed by the law, okay, the written law, They serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So what I want to get into now is that Jesus, okay, he came here. Flesh, right? The word of God in flesh, right? So that we could could know him, so that we could learn Okay, so he came here to earth, and now he has, by his blood, by his sacrifice, by his offer, his life was not taken, he gave it for you, he gave it for me, in obedience to the plan of the Father, he gave it, 
And so now he has passed back into the heavens, into heaven from his physical presence here on earth, and consequently, he is now sitting in heaven for you, ministering to you heavenly, a heavenly ministry. He is sitting there and has secured it for you. Now, all we need to do is get the revelation of what that means. Okay, so he is passed back into the heavens, and ministering to you heavenly things, mysteries that will no longer be mysteries unto you, because his heart is to reveal them above and beyond anything that you could define here on the earth, that that you could understand, say, by your, your mental or your carnal or your earthly understanding, supernaturally above all that you could ask or think. Okay, that's our God. So basically, he has entered back into the, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, invisible because it's no longer invisible to believers, right? But we use that word because that would be, a, 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 you know, an earthly state, invisible. But it's not to you because you have been invited to enter in and you have been given the Holy Spirit to help you understand So he represents you in heaven. He represents you. He's ever interceding for you. He's ever interceding on your behalf. He wants you to get this. Okay? He's ever interceding. So he represents you in heaven, and he ministers his presence, his atmosphere, his very existence, his essence unto you as a believer. He has sent down into our hearts the Holy Spirit, his love, the life, the truth, and the spirit of the true sanctuary. Where is the true sanctuary? The heart of God for you. Hallelujah. You will never experience, when you come up against the judgment of the world, You just say, I have the love of God. I know a God who loves me. And why can this be done? Because as we studied in last week's scripture, because of Jesus, it's in the power of an endless, endless, and incorruptible life. That's what's been dispensed to you. An endless, an indispensable, incorruptible life. The power of the life of Jesus. A free gift of grace unto you with compassion and mercy and gentleness. So you, me, as believers in Christ, have actually been received into the heavenly sanctuary. God receives you. God receives you. When you believe in Jesus, man, no better life. Because instantly, you are received. Instantly. Doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. You are received into the heavenly sanctuary. God receives you. He rejoices over you with singing. He rejoices over you with singing. He rejoices over you with singing. That's scripture from Zephaniah. Okay? You are accepted in the beloved. That's scripture. Don't sit around and say, "Uh uh-uh, too many things in my past disqualify me from being accepted by the Lord. That's a lie of the devil. That's mental thinking. That's because we, that, when, when a person thinks that way, that's because they have not received the true gift of Jesus and what he accomplished through his blood, through the sacrifice that he made for you and he made for me. So what are we to do at that point? We're to rejoice with him. We are to rejoice with him. We are to be glad in who we are in him, not prideful, 
not arrogant, but glad, rejoicing in who we are in him. Take joy, take joy in that recreation. Your nature has been recreated, okay? And we take joy in that, and we realize how powerful and all-encompassing it really is in our lives. This takes precedence over every other dark spirit or darkness or challenge in our lives. Jesus, beloved, Jesus has given you the right and the privilege. What a privilege. What a privilege we have. Jesus has given you the right and the privilege, get this, to dwell continually in God's presence with him. Does that seem like a gift too good to be true? It seems that, but it's the gift you've been given to dwell continually in the presence of God, of your loving Father. You have been invited into his home to sup with him at his table. Draw nigh unto him drawn nigh unto him, his presence, his very presence in your heart, in your spirit, redefining who you are. By offering himself up, (coughs) Jesus opened the way for us to follow, and he has never closed that door. He will never slam the door in your face, no matter what. He'll never slam that door, no matter what. So you are, you are, he gave, he gave up everything. He offered up himself. So what do we do? We offer up ourselves. We offer up ourselves. As the Father did, as Jesus did to the Father, we do. We offer up ourselves willing to give up, willing, does that mean you're perfect? I'm talking about in action here on the earth. Because you are, if you want to go back and study the other teachings, you are perfected in Christ. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But are you perfect in your everyday actions all the time? No. No, nobody is. But we are willing, we are yielded to offer up ourselves so that nothing would stand between us and our Father. So, you know, when, when we offer up ourselves, okay, that doesn't mean we're perfect, that doesn't mean we do it 100% right all the time, but aren't you glad that that door is never closed because all we have to do then is, is recognize and repent. We just, we, you know, we come to the Father, we lay it at the cross and we repent. That cleanses us and it, it cleanses our consciousness of, of, you know, telling us that now we don't deserve to be in the presence of the Father. See, he doesn't look at it that way. Um, So let us embrace the Holy Spirit. Let us embrace, let us yield, let us be submitted, let us listen, let let us follow, let us seek, let us enjoy the Holy Spirit, what he has to teach us and the, and the, the path with on, upon which he wants us to walk with him. Jesus told his disciples in Acts, he said, wait until you are endued with power. Well, they waited there for 10 days. Okay, now don't make a law out of that. Don't make a regulation out of that. But the point is, is that the Holy Spirit gives you power, endues you with power. So what happened? They waited. They sought. They believed. They were yielded. So what happened? The sound as a mighty rushing wind. The sound as a mighty rushing wind and cloven tongues of fire came. The power of the Lord in the yieldedness, in the expectation. The power of the Lord came and they were filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out the ministry of Jesus. He had full confidence in them. 
He said, just wait there. I'm going to go away, and a better thing's going to come, and you're going to do greater works than I ever did. Okay, that seems too good to be true, but it's what he told us. Okay, so he said, and he has every confidence in you, beloved, every confidence in you. You just need have to have confidence in him in you. Okay, that's what it comes down to. Because if he wants you to carry something out for him, it would be a cruel God not to equip you, not, and even not to believe in you. You see, that would be a cruel God, but that's not our God. He, he, he equips you to do exactly what he needs you to do. And you don't need to feel inadequate. So let that Holy Spirit that is deposited in you when you're a born-again believer, let that Holy Spirit be the wind and be the fire that he has deposited in you. What did it say when Jesus was baptized? What does the scripture say? It says that the Spirit remained. So is the Spirit remaining in the believer? Yes, absolutely. You get that? Okay, I'm not preaching blasphemy, but we got to get rid of our small-minded thinking and have it renewed to the word. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in every single believer. Hebrews 8, 5. They serve the earthly priests. They serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. That is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown on the mountain. Okay, verse 6. But, okay, remember we got to look at the teeny words. But, that means big difference, guys. There's a, there's a big difference here. But, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator, is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is what you've received. Four. If there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, <coughs> excuse me, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, now it quotes from the Old Testament. It's quoting from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. <coughs> okay? The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. See, God never changes. This was all said in the Old Testament. A new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. Okay, the people did not remain faithful, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that because of what you did, we have a better covenant than that. Thank you, Lord. This is what we got to get. This will liberate you from your self-esteem issues, from your living in the past issues, from, <coughs> you know, I'm a sinner... You're not a sinner, by the way. You know that, right, when you're saved? You're never, ever again called a sinner in the Scripture, and you can, you can go prove it to yourself, read every single thing that Paul wrote. Even though he calls himself at one time the greatest sinner, then he turns around and he says, I've wronged no man. And he ever after that, you are called saints. You need to get out of the I'm a unworthy sinner mentality. That's not, that is not your new definition in the Lord. That's the devil keeping people in chains. And you're too smart for that. So anyway, so far today and other days, we've seen Jesus as a minister. 
okay? Jesus drawing us nigh to God, ministering his love, ministering his compassion and blessing. Now, in this scripture right here, he calls him a mediator, a mediator. Okay, that mediator is the one who is going to help you walk the walk, okay? It's the walking out. He is giving you the power to continue in that nearness of God that he has ministered because he tore the veil and you get to walk through with him, interceding for you incessantly forever and ever, his Holy Spirit power, his Holy Spirit sent. What does the Holy Spirit testify of? Jesus, come on, guys. I don't ask these questions for no reason. I love you. And so I want you to, you know, participate in, and in, in when you speak that, that revelation gets more down in your spirit. So it's important. It's important not to just hear me. It's important for you to speak to your own heart. That's why I ask those questions. I'm not trying to, like, trip anybody up. So... <laughs> Anyway, so his Holy Spirit power in us, okay? So Israel, what did it say? They continued not in the covenant. They continued not. They did not remain faithful to the covenant. They promised to, they kept saying, oh yeah, we're going to do it your way, God. And then they would mess up and it wouldn't get done. And so they did not continue because they couldn't, because it was, they were trying to do it all in their own power. Okay? We have so much better than that. They, they couldn't do it in their own power. And guess what? Neither can you. So see, we often in our hearts, we want to do the right thing. And we don't. But thank God we have a new blood covenant that has opened the way and that is the covering that we now have because the Lord sees you through Jesus. And in a couple weeks, none of you guys want to miss next week. Do not miss. (laughs) But we're going to come to an understanding because I know every believer and every non-believer, probably, has a question about, well, when I sin, because people sin, and people make mistakes, why doesn't that disqualify me from God? Well, we're going to answer that. Okay. So, but I don't want to get off onto that today, because we have a lot more groundwork to cover before we get there. But anyway, we often do the same. We have a heart. We want to do the right thing, and then we don't. And we intend to be faithful, and we intend to be obedient, but we don't, we aren't sometimes. Because why? We're relying on our own power, okay, just like they did. But guess what? We have an entirely new covenant. We are not, we have now the Holy Spirit in us, in, 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 internal, not external, not a bunch of laws and religious duties and a lot of, you know, old thinking that we have to qualify under because the law would never, the law could never cleanse us. It can only point out sin. So God has given us something better, okay? And we need to learn how to live in the better. Okay? We, we need to learn how to do this. Because he needs you to learn to do this so that every single one of you in this room has a ministry, whether you know it or not. You all have a ministry. And he needs you to understand this so that you can carry out that ministry. Okay, in the power of the Lord. So, great news, beloved. Jesus has fixed this problem for you. The incessantly, I failed again. He doesn't see you as a failure. Okay? The entire provision of the new covenant is for us to be able to abide continually. Did I say continually? 
I didn't use the word broken, did I? No. (laughs) I use the word continually because the scripture uses that word. To abide continually because of our Jesus, who is both priest and king, who abides forever, and who has sent us himself via the Holy Spirit to dwell in us forever and ever. Okay? Jesus is the one who keeps you close by the Holy Spirit to the Lord because he has, by Scripture, become a priest, listen, not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, not just a law, not just a regulation, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible, everlasting life. That's what's been given to you. Indestructible, everlasting life. Did I say life? Yes, life. It is something that cannot be broken. You understand that? He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And through him, by his grace, he becomes the power. He becomes the strength. He becomes that existence for us and in us. Didn't the scripture say that we're in him and, he, and we are in him and he is in us? Well, we need to take that literally. So the power of his blood and the boldness of access that it gives us to our Father, the access that you have to God, your Father, is absolutely indestructible. Absolutely indestructible. Jesus' work, his accomplishments are indestructible. So as the Israelites were not able to keep the covenant you know, to their destruction, we have been given what? We studied it the last several weeks. We have been given by the blood perfection in Christ. You have been made perfect in Christ. It's in the scripture. I'm not saying that. The scripture says that. And this has secured for you better promises. It has secured for you your nearness to God, perfected by our Jesus. He stands in your stead when you accept him, and God sees him, God sees the blood, rather than your indiscretions. Am I making it clear today? Okay, does this mean that you don't need to repent? Am I preaching grace is a license to sin? No. No. But if you'll remember from from months ago, what is the better definition of the word grace? Does anybody in here remember? If you weren't here then, it's okay. But if you were here, you're going to answer to me afterwards. <laughs> I'm teasing. But if you remember, one of the better definitions of grace was him seeing your beauty. Him seeing your beauty. Because he sees you as beautiful. He doesn't see you how you see yourself many times. He sees you as beautiful. Hallelujah. So anyway, so when Jesus was on the earth, the law was not yet written in their hearts, was it? No. He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts, didn't he? And everything changed. Everything changed. And we must grasp the reality that in his perfection, in him, in what he has done, in what we could never do, and then he has given it to us 
perfecting us into nighness with him. Grace and mercy in a time of need. Never casting you out when you fall short because Jesus abides continually and is always interceding for you. We can now receive grace, receive mercy, like I said, not as a license to sin, but you, but I now live in a permanent personal, loving relationship with an ever-abiding Christ. That's where you live. That's where you live. So are we getting this? We have grace. That's him seeing your beauty. We have grace and mercy through Christ, which means God sees us as keeping his covenant. He sees you as keeping it because you are in Christ. And this is not by your works, beloved. This is not by your own works. That's the Israelites. You cannot do this by your own works. You do not earn this. This is something you receive because of the love of the Lord for you. That's why it's so important for you to understand how much God loves you. A works-based covenant would never allow us to live in the continual presence of God. You can't do that if you want to stay in a works-based covenant because we do not have a works-based covenant. But glory, we have the better hope. We have the better covenant. We have the better promises. It's all about how God defines you, not how your past defines you, not how your mind defines you. God sees us. Okay, please get this. God sees you. God sees me in the accomplished version of the covenant. That's not too big for you, is it? I hope not. He sees you in the finished work, what he did, what Jesus did, I mean. He sees you covered in the blood. He sees you once you're in Christ, and we must see ourselves the same way. Because, you know, the regulations will always be broken. And if you live in that, you're accepting a broken life and you don't need to accept a broken life. Adam and Eve broke something, didn't they? Because of their own choice. Jesus came to redeem that brokenness. Okay? We don't live, our, you know, our sins would remind us of that brokenness all the time. And we can't stay there. What does the scripture say? He says, a bruised reed I will not break. So we've all been bruised at times in our lives, haven't we? He's not here to break you. He came to redeem and to give you a glory, a life in his presence that we can never even imagine in the carnal. And we need to believe for it because we serve a faithful God who's already finished the work for us. So we can end our own striving. You are not a broken person. Regardless of what you've done wrong, regardless of what you haven't done, you are not a broken person if you are in Christ. You are perfected in Christ. Okay? Hebrews 8, verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Hallelujah. This is so exciting. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Do you get that? 
That's like hallelujah. That's like shouting grounds because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. All believers have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. Agreement with Jesus. Jesus in our spirits. You know him. You know him. It doesn't mean you're always listening, but you know him. By the Holy Spirit in you, Christ in you, you in Christ, you know him. This is no longer, um, this is now a law written on our hearts it, it, as his people. It is no longer this external regulation with an external God. It is part of our hearts, this is part of our inner nature. It is our entirely recreated being. That's what you get when you get Jesus. Entirely recreated. The goodness of God for you. He is for you and not against you. So it now becomes, he becomes a part of our heart, okay? It is now a law of love. And the life in the spirit of Christ, Jesus, right? The creator, his love, internally written on our hearts. Hallelujah. Do you get that? He has shed abroad his love into your heart. Regardless of how you feel, this is a new reality. His love has been shed abroad, indelibly stamped and imprinted in your heart, in my heart. He has written himself. Can he do any other thing? Can he give you any other thing? Can he give you any darkness? No, because darkness isn't in him. He can only give you himself. He has written himself on your heart. He has written himself on your heart. In your heart. Hallelujah. And we now know him in our inward beings. I'm going to prove it to you by the scripture. Psalm 40, verse 8. I desire, this, I desire to know your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. So you see, you have a new, a new presence in your heart. Indelibly imprinted. John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. See that? You, believers, you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day when you realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Thank you, Jesus. John 17, 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. See that? You're not of the world. You're in a whole new kingdom. You are transformed. You are a transformed being, living in a new place. So we have been brought into the sanctuary with Jesus. You get that? And by his grace, him seeing, he sees your beauty. That's grace. He sees your beauty. He sees you continuing in the covenant and abiding continually with him because you have received the Son. Because you have received the Son. It is an unbroken covenant because of Jesus. It is an unbroken covenant because of Jesus. And we have been redeemed into that covenant. God has so shed his love abroad in our hearts for us to love 
actually becomes our natural bent. Are you getting that? God has so shed his love abroad in our hearts that to love as God loves becomes the natural bent of our being. I hope we get this. Our new hearts, this is you, I'm defining you right now. Our new hearts, our new hearts desire to love God, desire with everything in them to do his will and not our own. And we actually, at this point, have to choose to disregard his love because he has actually made it so much a part of you that to not walk in it, you would have to choose not to because you know him, because you know his will, because you know his love. That's why you get these stirrings when you're about to step in the wrong direction. That's his love beckoning you. That's the love that he shed abroad in your heart calling you, protecting you, helping you, keeping you nigh, keeping you unto his bosom, keeping you connected, keeping you tethered. So because of our recreated hearts, honestly, truly, we only have the desire to please him. Because now, the scripture tells you, go ahead and read Ephesians. Read, read, read the whole third chapter of Ephesians. You are now rooted and grounded in love. That's who you are. So don't let the devil when those temptations come, tell you otherwise. You can walk in the love. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. So we walk in the newness of the blood-bought covenant. King James here says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Now we know by scripture that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That is your position. That's what he purchased for you. That's where he's placed you. Okay? Sometimes that doesn't line up with the way we behave. But we're all in the process of being renewed, and he understands that, okay? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. The Aramaic, the translation in the Aramaic is is even more powerful. It says, And I shall purge them of their evils, and I shall not remember their sins again. So, as I wrap this up today, I pray that the Lord gives us all, gives you, gives me, eyes to truly see the glorious hope the glorious hope of the calling that has been placed in our hearts. The glorious hope of the calling that we have that's been given. A life in your love, Lord. A life walked out in your love. A life receiving your love, Lord. Help us to know that in truth, in our spirits, in revelation and your will, and your fullness, and your completeness, and your perfectedness, and your blessedness. Help us to see the glory of the hope that you have given us. 
the freedom that we truly have in our new covenant. You have removed us, Lord. You have removed us from the realm of death and destruction. And you have taken us into your glorious light and love and perfection. Help us to understand. Help us to know your heart. Lord, help us to know your heart. Help us then to take that revelation. Lord, we ask you to help us take that revelation and be rivers of life, an outpouring of that unto the whole world, unto our neighbor, unto our family, unto our friends, unto those you bring into our paths. The purity of you shining through us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So hallelujah, that's what the Lord wanted me to share today. We're going to take communion in a minute.